Welcome to Generation Slay, where we know that Gen Zers are shifting important narratives, changing the world, creating incredible content, and making a name for themselves in a big way. Each episode, we interview the Gen Z entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators who are slaying it in their fields. I'm Gianluca Russo, a 21-year-old freelance writer based out of New York. My work primarily focuses on fashion, entertainment, and plus-size representation, and has been published in GQ, Glamour, Teen Vogue, Nylon, Vice, The Huffington Post, and more. When I'm not writing, I'm usually ranting about my dog or Ariana Grande. You can find me on social media at G underscore Russo one. And I'm Emma Havakorst, a 21-year-old Fordham University marketing major, writer, and consultant to both businesses and rising Gen Zers. I'm a chai latte and donut addict, and I spend most of my waking hours on Instagram, where you can find me at Emma Havy. Welcome back. On this week's episode, we are so, so excited to have Tyler Lambert on to discuss breaking into the fashion industry, working with major celebrities, and the future of fashion as a whole. Tyler is a 22-year-old fashion designer who began designing at the age of 12, before launching his first label called Dollhouse Studio by Tyler Lambert only two years later. Without connections or access to celebrities, he quickly built his brand through social media over the years, drawing the attention of Kylie Jenner, Sophia Ritchie, Bibi Rexa, and many more. He has since grown his brand tremendously in such a short amount of time. Hey Tyler, we are so, so happy to have you on the show today. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, so let's kick this thing off with your backstory. You grew up in a small town right outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, which obviously, like, being so far from New York and L.A., didn't give you much to work with when it came to launching a fashion career, gaining those connections, and being sort of in the centers of that industry. So how did you get into design? So... The best way, and I think the most, I don't know, descriptive way to talk about how I started was, it was more so a hobby. So I was experimenting. I was, you know, my mom and my grandmother taught me how to sew. And then I was like, you know, using a single stitch sewing machine from the 40s that was actually handed down from my mom's mother, so my grandmother. Um, so I was experimenting. I was cutting things up. I was putting two different curtains together and trying to make it a scarf or um, really just kind of had this freedom to experiment and just sew and not really pay attention to what was going on, you know, in fashion, I had like, you know, like there were magazines and um, books and stuff, but I wasn't really obviously again, like from New York or LA. So I was kind of just playing and, you know, listening to my own voice and whatever I wanted to do. And I think that has been a very 
instrumental part in my career, um, I would think, into kind of just falling into, you know, this being my career, you know, taking it from a hobby to a career. Yeah. Definitely. So then something that really stuck out to me when we were talking over email earlier is you mentioned that growing up in Wisconsin kind of gave you the advantage of being able to stick out, you know, like a sore thumb while everyone else was just trying to fit in. Um, And that if you hadn't actually grown up there, you probably wouldn't have accomplished all that you have today. Um, So you were in a lot in a position that a lot of other young Gen Zers may be in right now, wanting to move to LA or New York to, to launch their careers, but being stuck in a small town. So what kind of advice would you give to them about taking full advantage of where they're from and kind of not holding off on pursuing their dreams until they can move away? So I think the best part of being from a small town and being stuck somewhere in which that you think you don't want to be or you have to be for X amount more years until you graduate or you go to college or you don't go to college or you move or, you know, whatever rebellious kind of exit you're looking for in life. Uh, I don't think I ever wished upon or I guess best way to put it is I I had goals but I never I never overthought my goals I never put like a time bomb on you know I need to get out of here by a certain day and time or I I need to do X amount of things before I wake up in the morning in order for me to accomplish my goal or my dream or wherever. And kind of what's crazy is building my career in like five years of it has been, you know, from Chicago, which is also another town in which that is not, you know, involved in a fashion industry or all that developed in fashion. Um, it's more so finance, is these these places I felt comfortable in, right? Like I grew up in, in the Midwest. I felt comfortable moving, you know, after 18 years. I never went on a vacation or took a plane somewhere for 18 years growing up. I was, I never really was ever, you know, drawn out of the Midwest. So I didn't know anything else other than that in that comfort zone. So I don't think it's important for, you know, other Generation Z dreamers to really, you know, put that time bomb on, you know, what you want to do and you have to figure out what you want to do in life and like how you're going to make money and how you're going to survive. And like, you know, the L.A. influencer dream looks amazing. I want to be that and do that, you know. There's no time limit to understand your passion or your if your hobby turns into your passion or if your hobby turns into something you absolutely cannot stand. Um, I think life um, will pretty much just kind of create that storyline for you and your your own path. And, you know, it's so difficult now because, you know, there is social media and it's so consuming that we can be like, ah, I need to be in New York for what I do. Ah, I need to be in LA. But 
the miracle of it is, I mean, even just using myself for an example, you know, the brand was based in Chicago for five years and we're kind of just built into this kind of global brand now. I mean, we sell all over the world and it's kind of amazing because it doesn't mean that you need to be technically in a certain location to do what you want to do and what you're passionate about. You know, the internet kind of has this amazing energy that you can be be based anywhere. And so I don't really think that your passion and your career and your your dream is based off of a location of where you are. Maybe so your happiness, but I think, you know, people can be pretty much anywhere they want to be and dream wherever they want. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's incredible insight, especially nowadays with the power of social media and everything. There's so much access globally that I totally understand where you're coming from, but it's not something I would have thought about. And to kind of build off that idea of, you know, the power of social media, you've really, really used that to build your brand. And from that, you've gained quite a few celebrity clients. Things began to take off, obviously, for you when Kylie Jenner stylist pulled your pieces for her and Kylie posted them to Instagram. So I'd love to hear more from you about sort of what that experience was like and what the response was to that on your end. Um, Yeah, I remember the first day that, I mean, that happened. I mean, I was 18. I was living in Chicago for about eight months at the time. I, it was July fourth or third, I can't remember, of 2016. And I decided to drop out of college that I, you know, moved to Chicago for. I didn't have a place to live yet, and I had a car full of my stuff, and I was going to go back home to drop it off to my parents in, you know, Green Bay from Chicago, and I was getting gas at the gas station in Lake Forest, Illinois, off the highway, and I was pumping gas, and, like, while I was pumping gas, you know, I flick on Instagram, and, like, it's just these three sets of stories you know, posts and stories and all this of Kylie wearing my jacket. And obviously I wasn't tagged or anything, but it was this like surreal moment because I've never worked with like other stylists before. And I wasn't like this social media guru at the time or even very much of a networker. Like I actually like had never, oh, I've been once to LA for like three days before that happened and I didn't like meet anybody out there or anything just kind of went with my one friend from home and like saw all these places that I would like you know sob over off on like tumblr I'd be like oh my gosh we have to go to Venice Beach oh we have to go to this earth cafe place to eat because I see everybody goes there and so I was very much like a tourist but when that happened it was so crazy because I was like, obviously not in the fashion industry or even knew 
the whole other side of, you know, stylists and celebrities and the power and that people actually bought stuff that celebrities wore or that they like actually followed them. Like it was just such a new concept for me. So I just remember like I had no website. I, the brand didn't have its own Instagram account. Um, I had like my own personal email. I didn't have a, like, I had nothing set in place for like a storm. And after Kylie, it kind of just gave me the power with like a lot of my friends or like friends of friends that like were actually in the industry would like, were like reaching out to me and were like, Tyler, like, this is huge. This is huge. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm in Wisconsin with my parents. Like I had like a basement studio and I just like work in there all day and like be in my studio all day. So, you know, for the first, you know, eight months of that storm, you know, it was just like more celebrities were reaching out and more celebrity stylists were reaching out. And then it turned into like, I was like, okay, like, let's try this website thing. And like, I had to learn like the whole side of like a website and SEO and e-commerce and how to like run a business and like I eventually quit my job at Pottery Barn and then I was like okay gotta get an apartment I gotta have a studio in my apartment I'm gonna have an online store and just you know it was just this kind of beautiful mistake it was this kind of uh I I call it like I fell into it I didn't like my dream wasn't like to be where I am today. Like I never believed that I would be where I am today and be able to work with the people I do. Um, it was more so, I guess, fate maybe, or just like my storyline, but my storyline just, you know, never had any ending. It just kind of continues. And I think, um, you know, from good work and being passionate and driven and all the above from that, you know, one little push, um, trying to stay focused and just being myself, it's really just been able to kind of keep living. Um, and that, you know, that mistake and happiness and falling into place of like all these amazing opportunities I get just keeps happening from I think I don't know my passion and you know my creative talent ish whatever <laughs> I mean you can't undersell yourself it it is because of your creative talent I mean Kylie didn't just her stylist didn't just pick something random and unintentionally like that was intentional because of your talent so first of all that's my thing don't undersell yourself it's not all luck you you were there for a reason um and actually you're in the lives and on the bodies of a lot of other huge influencers and insta models of our generation as well which obviously we've already talked about kylie jenner but You've also worked with Madison Beer and Tana Mojo and Bella Hadid and Stoss and Kels and Bella Thorne. And that's just naming a few people. So 
how, since, of course, you already talked about, you know, how Kylie just sort of fell in your lap, how moving forward did you sort of develop those kinds of high profile connections? And what's the typical or atypical, probably, process of working with such major names? So obviously after Kylie wore, I like was like, what the, you know, what am I going to do with like this happening? And I was like working at Pottery Barn at the time. And after Kylie, I remember a stylist from LA reached out to me who, you know, still does um, BB Rexa, who's Wilfred Nova. And he kind of gave me the platform. I remember I was like, at Pottery Barn, and he's like, can you FaceTime me and BB? We want to talk about doing a custom look for billboards. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like, sure. And so pretty much then I made that. And like, you know, like I'm FaceTiming this. You know, at the time, BB had one hit, and she maybe had like 150,000 followers. And she's been like very loyal to me throughout my entire career. Like, you know, she hasn't really warned me all the time, but she still follows me. And like, you know, we DM back and forth. And I think it's really great is that, you know, and this isn't speaking to all, but some, but it's a journey. And I think again, back to that time, it's, it, it's not, you don't have to put a timer on that journey. And you, we all are, like, we get better and we get stronger and we, we learn from our mistakes and everything. So, you know, six months after Kylie wore, I, you know, quit my job. And then two months after that, in beginning of 2017, I started a website. Um, it was awful. I remember within the first month, I had one sale. And then, you know, after two months, I had two sales. And after three months, I had three sales. Four months, I had four sales. So it was understanding the kind of metrics of websites and social media. And I've never kind of been reliant on Instagram for um my sales or who I work with or any of that although it may seem like it but I think what has driven a lot of the relationships in which that I kind of hold and have made and pieces I've seen on is just being the designer in which I am and being the also the person in which that is behind that brand and that designer because it's one thing and it's very difficult nowadays because everything is so sponsored and like hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, like everybody's paid to do things and paid brands. But what's really cool about Generation Z and I think a lot of upcoming generations is, is that like whether it's talent followers are invested in or people themselves or even the celebrities themselves, like is the actual individual or the people behind that company or brand or whatever. And I've just continued to be myself and be super real and, you know, be the, be the 
little boy, Ty Ty from deep here, Wisconsin, who's, you know, from Farmville, USA, that I wasn't brought up with the, you know, I didn't see ever Rolls Royce until I was like 20 years old driving down the street or, you know, I never met an A-list celebrity until I was like 20 years old, like, you know, face to face and like, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, you know, selling at the Kardashian store. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Chloe reached out via email with her team and was like, we'd love to invite you to the store for Chloe's event since you're the top selling brand there. We'd love to have you. And so just these random events and the, the world is so small and the industry is so small. I just think it's very important to just stay yourself and be humble and be driven and like things aren't going to just fall into place and happen for you if you don't kind of, you know, bring the good energy for those things to happen also. You can't pressure it. Right, definitely. And you obviously bring up a great point talking about authenticity and how important that is nowadays, especially on social media. Um, and uh, speaking of kind of your designs as well, a lot of your work, you know, both designing and styling wise, have major roots in streetwear. So kind of looking forward, where do you see the future of streetwear evolving to um, from where it is now to where it can become? I think what's great is that especially even where I'm from, you know, high fashion isn't anywhere close by radius of miles or people wearing it or whatever. So like where I was brought up for 18 years, like for example, in my generation, like you were like super high fashion if you were wearing like Abercrombie and Fitch, like you could afford so much you were rich you were hot you like knew it you knew what was going on so I pretty much had no idea of what being cool and fancy was so streetwear and thrift shopping and being clever and also like me just like not know really caring is just like this like mega influence of like where streetwear has kind of been for me like I you know I would wear my mom's um you know baggy polo shirt from work with you know my like rolled up vintage cut up jeans with military boots and like that's kind of where streetwear began for me and where I really believe that streetwear is going to only go is, you know, obviously even further in high fashion. Obviously, we can already see that with a lot of the, you know, larger fashion houses like Dior and Prada and all the big ones even. And like we're just seeing this huge, you know, movement of, you know, Prada's last collection was just like all this nylon and this like 90s nylon sport luxe. And it's great because, you know, we're a new generation. There's new customers. There's new, there's a, it's a wave. Fashion 
slowly changes with the consumer, right? And like, there's no way in which if the consumer doesn't like what they're seeing, that they're going to buy it so that, you know, that brand or house isn't going to do as well or, you know, whatever it may be. So you kind of also have to move with your buyers and the trends. And um, I really love it. I think there is a time and place for, you know, couture and fancy and, you know, obviously the higher end labels, but what's kind of great is this, you know, like luxury casual or streetwear um, influence that's happening. And I think that we're only just going to keep seeing more and more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. Um, Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today about your career and everything. Uh, We really appreciate it and love getting to hear more about your experiences. Um, But before we go, tell everyone listening where they can find you and reach you online. (laughs) So obviously I'm Tyler Lambert. You guys can shop my collection on www.tylerlambert.com. And you can also shop slash see more pieces um, on Instagram. So my personal Instagram is Tyler Glambert, um, G-L-A-M-B-E-R-T. And then on there, you can see both of my two store pages, which are Lambert Vintage and Shop Lambert. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much again. This has been amazing. No, thank you guys. Thanks for listening to Generation Slay. We have new episodes launching every Tuesday. If you liked what you heard today or felt like you got some great insight from our guests, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice so that more people will see the podcast and hear what our incredible guests have to say. In the meantime, if you have an idea of someone we should have on the show or just want to talk to us, you can find the podcast at Generation Slay on Twitter and Instagram and at www.generationslay.com. Keep slaying, and we'll see you next week.